Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, a very deep mystery opens up when we meditate upon our first reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Now remember that Jeremiah is writing and prophesying at a very difficult time in Israelite history. The Babylonians are hemming in Jerusalem, threatening the nation with extinction. It's very hard for us to grasp what that meant for ancient peoples, but when a city, especially your capital city, is under siege, well, it was a disaster. It meant you know no food, no water was coming in, and then the army, this, th this um, foreign army, is threatening your very existence. That's the situation when Jeremiah is writing. Now we know Jeremiah would often rail against the bad leadership of his time, the king and his courtiers who had abandoned the ways of the Lord and led the nation down the wrong path. This is why he shouts in our reading today, listen, Woe to the shepherds who mislead and scatter the flock of my pasture. You have scattered my sheep and driven them away. You have not cared for them. The references to scattering, by the way, are allusions to the exiles that Israel had undergone in its history and was about to undergo. Jeremiah knew that a divided, scattered Israel could not fulfill its mission, which was to gather the tribes of the world. And so he's railing against the bad leadership of Israel, which has led to this catastrophe. Okay, that's the critique. But what does God propose? Now Jeremiah is going to channel the words of the Lord. Listen. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock from the lands to which I have driven them and bring them back to their meadow. We can find something very similar in other prophets too. Remember this from the book of the prophet Ezekiel after excoriating the shepherds of his time, so very much in Jeremiah's spirit, Ezekiel channels the words of the Lord. Listen, I myself will shepherd my people. So, God himself will become the shepherd. He'll become the king. But then listen now, as Jeremiah goes on, and you'll see why I talk about a deep mystery opening up. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous shoot to David, a king he shall reign and govern wisely. Hmm. So I thought God was becoming the king, and now we hear that a human figure, a descendant of David, will shepherd the people in God's name. And again, this is not unique to Jeremiah. We find the same interesting juxtaposition throughout the Old Testament. Look in the Psalms especially. God will become king, and God will raise up a righteous shoot to David. 
so which is it? That's the puzzle. That's the mystery. Which is it? The biblical answer seems to be both. That God will become the king of Israel precisely through a son of David, and he will thereby restore Israel to justice. Now, there's the paradox. We Catholics would recognize that as a sacramental point of view, that an earthly, finite reality can be the living sign and symbol of the divine. God will become king precisely through a son of David. Now, I suggest everybody, with that peculiar background in mind, we can understand the Gospels much more clearly. Jesus is presented unambiguously throughout the Gospels as a Davidic figure, isn't he? As a son of David. Think of Matthew's genealogy here. When he gives us three generations, three sets of 14 generations that lead up to Jesus. 14, of course, was the number corresponding to David, to David. Matthew is saying is David, David, David has come. Think of the angel's annunciation. I will give him the throne of David his father, and his reign will be without end. Think of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, which was the city of David. Think of the cry of Bartimaeus, the blind man. Son of David, have pity on me. Think of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That's how the Davidic king was expected to enter into his city. Okay? So he's a Davidic figure. He's a king. At the same time, Jesus is unambiguously presented as divine, as God himself. He says to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. And the bystanders say, well, who can forgive sins but God alone? Quite right. The calming of the storm at sea that so haunted the imaginations of the first Christians. Who is this man that even the wind and and, uh, sea obey him? Well, see, that was a a prerogative of of the God of Israel, that he alone had, had command over the wind and the sea. Think of the transfiguration. Moses couldn't see God face to face, but yet Moses speaks to Jesus face to face. He's the divine figure now, come in the flesh. What's the conclusion? Jesus is the one foreseen by the prophets. He is the Davidic king through whom God himself is coming to rule over his people. You know, that's the gospel, if you want. See, we tend to moralize the gospel. The gospel means changing your life. And, and of course, it calls for a change of life, naturally. But see, if you want to sum up the gospel, I think that's it. That God has, through this Davidic figure, come to rule his people. Okay, so with that in mind, watch what he does in today's gospel. First, we hear that the apostles gathered around him. What's that? What's that? But the first great act of gathering, bringing together a band of 12, evocative of the 12 tribes of Israel, 
forming them after his own mind. But then remember that apostle is derived from the Greek word apostelain, which means to send out. So these apostles gathered by the king were sent out like letters. Now why? To gather in the rest of Israel. Then we hear that even as Jesus and his friends withdraw for a little rest, people hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. But what are we meant to see here, everybody? That there was just something magnetic about Jesus and his apostolic band. He gathered the twelve, he sent them out, but then wherever he and the twelve are, they're like a magnet. It's as though the scattered sheep sensed that the Davidic shepherd had arrived. And then finally we hear this beautiful reference to Jesus' own shepherd's heart. Listen. His heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Just a glance, if you want, at the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Ephesians in our second reading. Listen. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have become near through the blood of Christ. Notice how Paul refers to Jesus as Christos, just his Greek rendering of Mashiach, which means the anointed one. Who is the anointed one par excellence but David? And so David's son, David's successor, is the Mashiach. That's what Paul is saying, is that Jesus is the Mashiach, the Davidic king, through whom God is gathering the world. That's why you who once were far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Okay, that's the background. Those are the great themes of these readings. So what about us? I mean, why, why are we preoccupied with this? Why, why should we pay attention? You say, well, is that good news from 2,000 years ago? The longing of Israel has been fulfilled. The Davidic shepherds come. Well, so what? Well, here's the so what. I'd be willing to bet that everybody listening to me right now feels to some degree adrift. Not sure where he or she is going. Wandering. Now, with my sermon from last week in mind, I talked about Jean-Paul Sartre and existentialism and I decide and it's up to me. You know, we like to flatter ourselves that we're all these self-directing agents, we're in charge of our lives, et cetera, et cetera. But deep down, we all know that's an illusion. We're all looking for direction. And we cast about everywhere in the search. Politicians, pop stars, singers, philosophers, writers, social activists, et cetera, et cetera. What are we looking for? It's, oh, entertainment and information. Well, yeah, but you know what deep down we're looking for? We're looking for someone who will lead us. 
someone to give us a sense of, of purpose and hope. But see, all these people, you know this, and the older you get, the more you know it. All these people eventually let us down, or they prove somehow inadequate. They show themselves as being as lost as we are. And again, I know maybe young people listening to me won't get that, but the older you get, believe me, you understand it. They're as lost as we are. We are all, let's face it, like sheep without a shepherd. So go right back to Jeremiah, come up through Israelite history, go, go to Jesus, now come through the whole history of the church. We're all like sheep without a shepherd. And so, therefore, the still startling good news from long ago, but resonating in the life and work of the apostolic church today, is that the shepherd has come. The Davidic king, listen, in whom God himself has come to rule his people. He's come. You know what evangelization means? It means the announcement of this fact. And what's the right response to evangelization? Submit to his lordship. And you'll find rest. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.